All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. We'd love you to support this show. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Your likes and subscription helps us to grow and attract interviews and content. So please retweet and share our posts. Your contributions are appreciated. Greetings, and welcome to episode 429 of the KISS FAQ podcast. So, we are back for another week. I will be your host this week, uh, sort of the, uh, you know, the, the backup host, as you may notice. Um, and I will be joined by my good friends this week. Uh, I, I am, after all, named on the board Mike, Marcus Almighty. I'm joined, of course, with my good friend Ken, 69th Blizzard on the board. Hello. And, of course, our good friend from up in Sweden, Mr. Daniel. Welcome, Wheeze. Hello. <laughs> so, how are, how are you guys doing this week? Everything okay? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, things are, uh, you know, up here, winter is coming fast, so I'm guessing we'll get snow maybe in towards the end of October, so I'm trying to use this time to be outside and do stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you. I mean, over here, it's still relatively <clears throat> decent, like 22, 23 degrees Celsius, mm-hmm. but the colors are starting to change on the leaves here, and... Uh, the evenings are getting now, but I, I've had to switch off the air conditioning unit and turn on the heating now for nights. Mm. It's getting a bit cold. Uh, but what about you, Ken? This must be all completely foreign to you. You guys probably have like, <laughs> what, a 300 degrees Celsius up there still? Oh, or? Well, last week, yeah. <laughs> this week we had quite a heat wave. So uh, this week has been like uh, 30 degrees, you know, probably 25 to 30 degrees cooler than than last week so it's it's a total opposite change so it's it's actually pleasant weather right now um and we're gonna we're, we might have some rain actually uh which we usually don't oh, wow. get tomorrow so it's just been weird hopefully, very strange hopefully you do get it hopefully you get some I rain hope we, do. We, need, we, those, uh, we need the rain so yeah to fill up go. those uh those uh, cauldrons full of water for your backup systems there yeah <clears throat> we need a lot of it yeah so, before we get on to our topic for this week, we will first ask the usual question of the week, which is, anybody got anything new? Ken, I'm hearing through the grapevine that you have something new. Yeah, I did get the, um, here it is. It looks very familiar because we've seen this kind of thing before, but this is the, uh, this is the Love Gun uh, colored vinyl oh, okay. uh, anniversary. <laughs> Um, is it the anniversary? Uh, it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. 45th anniversary. Um, this is the gold vinyl, and the gold is well. I don't know if you, you would really call it gold, but uh, it's. I'll get it out of here. It's interesting, kind of. It's almost. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not really gold. Well, it's like flat gold or something i don't know like almost like a yeah. odd gray <laughs> yeah maybe yeah they added too much gray to it or something i, I don't know but anyway <clears throat> that's their gold color one um that's fine um it, it does, can can yeah. 
Ken, how many uh, how many love guns do you have by now? Two, three, four. Oh, I have more than that. All <laughs> together. You have more than that. Four. Love guns. Oh, have two, three, four U.S. copies. Uh, I probably have. Oh God, I'm just looking right now. Yeah. Pro- probably somewhere between. Probably around. Uh, I would say somewhere around fifteen, close to fifteen. Oh. Okay. That's that's a lot. We should do an epi- we should do an episode when you go through some of your Kiss albums. We can go we through some of them, yeah, and see the differences. Yeah. I can pull them out and just show yeah. some of the. That would be cool. Uh, this this they do did include the the uh, Love Gun, um, mm. and there it's per, you know you can build it and play with it, you know. What? But uh, so and, and, and this is a variant too because usually this is a different color. Well, mm. last time I think it was like yellow or red, or there's been a couple of different yeah. ones. So that's that's kind of a <clears throat> you know whatever a collector minutia thing for people. Well, only Besides a collector the, from Kiss would, would consider that a variant. It's yeah, that makes it a variant, and then of course the the color of the vinyl. That's where they. Otherwise, I think that they use on this one they use the you know 2014 pressing. Yeah, the same plates. same master and stampers probably. Yeah, for that one, for that one. So anyway, that plate start. That is it for this week. I didn't get I didn't get any kiss related stuff, but I bought some tickets for a mini, a mini sort of. Uh, uh, it's a package with four or five bands. I think mm-hmm. you mark. I, I think you you might have heard of, of one or two of these bands. Uh, Clawfinger, Evergrey, Hardcore Superstar, Nestor. Evergrey, yes. I think you've talked about Evergrey. Yes. Didn't you? Wasn't that one of your, your favorite bands out of Sweden? Yeah, I was very happy with. The, I, I like a lot of their stuff too. They came yeah. and played a couple times here in Toronto, and I was lucky to catch them once. So okay. they're very good live. Hard, hardcore that's Superstar. That's a that's a mm-hmm. great name. <laughs> yeah, Hardcore Superstar. It's like a sleaze sleaze rock and roll band oh, pretty really? good mm-hmm. but my favorites are nestor you know they opened up for kiss and i've uh, heard in them Stockholm. yeah yeah, yeah a fun band and clawfinger is like a rap metal band oh, really? that was really big in the mid 90s and one of my favorite bands back then so i'm i'm looking forward to that awesome. very nice cool great mm-hmm. so i didn't i didn't necessarily well i did pick up one thing but it's not new it's just it was out and I didn't uh, get it for a little while. I mean, I didn't get the show last time, but I did pick up the CD copy of Donington, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's true. But I'm still waiting on my uh, purple vinyl of the Des Moines off the soundboard. Right. I did actually buy that, surprisingly. Surprise. Enough, I've, you know, I've, been kind of, I've been kind of buying the, the CD stuff of yeah. these things, right? Uh, but I, I, li- I like the Des Moines one, and plus it was a, this one was a two- LP. The other ones seem to be a whole three LP, and they're pretty expensive, especially when you put the the shipping in there and then convert it to Canadian, and it's like just mm-hmm. insane how much these things cost. But I decided to get this one. Uh, I did check out some of the rec- the audio of the uh, Des Moines online, and it's a little bit more raw than the other ones, but I I like it. I, I mean, I've, I'm so used to the '70s type soundboards where they start off, you know, with the volumes are a little mis- mismatch, and they kind of level up as the that continues right yeah. yeah so i'm used to that so, so i was looking forward to that so which one is your favorite i mean we, we've got four so far we've got donnington the De, des moines we got, we got tokyo uh, virginia beach tokyo first. and yeah 
Then we got uh, the what was the second one? The Virginia, Virginia Beach, Beach was second. Virginia Beach from 04. And, yeah. And then the Donington was third. And then the, this yeah. one, Des Moines is fourth. So so far from what I've heard, the easily the worst one is Virginia Beach. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I didn't sure. I didn't like that one at all. Uh, for for me personally, I think the one that sounds the best is Donington. I think Donington sounds excellent. Right. But my favorite performance one is still easily Tokyo. I've always loved that lineup with Eric Singer and Ace Freely in the band. <clears throat> I, I thought that that was the right combination of really technical with Eric Singer and still a little bit of slop with Ace Freely in there. I think it, it, it <laughs> yeah, really mix. mixed up well so, that yeah, way. Balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it balanced it out really nicely, I thought. And, you know, we got to hear songs like Talk to Me and stuff like that with Ace in there. Mm -hmm. So I thought, and, and I did get that one on vinyl, that obscure bird poop vinyl one that came out. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I got that one. I was pretty happy. Oh, hi, Shadow. What's going on, buddy? Oh, lay down. Uh, and, what about uh, you, Ken, then? Which, which one is your favorite? Um, Des Moines? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know the class, the classic, the classic lineup. Classic. Uh, it's just because of that, and because of uh, it's around a lot live, live too. When I came in, uh, started get, you know getting into the band, so it's it's cool. I mean, it's the classic lineup. You can't go wrong. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go on. Okay. Well, uh, you know, and there's some things that I like on it um, that are it's kind of more like a alive too that's not been you know doctored and stuff like that and, yeah and it has my favorite version or you know the style of black diamond that they do on it with the the, the nice intro that they do or paul would do before um that they've not always they don't do it anymore really um but uh yeah it's a it's a real good version of black diamond which i which i like so go ahead mark no, i was just oh sorry daniel did you want to say something oh. yeah, i just wanted to say i think three of the four are really good uh, as yeah. you mentioned yeah, they're all, the, yeah. the 04 show was subpar but, but the rest are real good and uh, I think it was uh, interesting that they picked the two, 2001 show first but uh, mm -hmm. but uh, I also enjoy that one the most I think yeah. even though it's the classic lineup the last one they released I think that first one is kind of special because it's such such a short amount of time that lineup was actually True. So yeah, it's yeah. great to have for, for I've heard so much from the originals, but I, I do understand uh, that I, I love the, the talk from Paul between the songs no. <laughs> yeah. when he was testing out stuff. Yeah. Fire! Fire! <laughs> yeah. Uh, all kind of stuff. So uh, I really enjoyed the last one. But I, I listened through Spotify. You know, Spotify is a Swedish brand, so I have to back them up. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a Swedish inventor well, what do you know? who came up with Spotify. And his name is Daniel as well. So, <laughs> well, there you But go. unfortunately, it's not me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you wouldn't be yeah. sitting here probably. Yeah. No, yeah. yes, for sure. I would, I would always be here. Okay, mm -hmm. that's good. So I was just going to say that I'm actually very surprised that Ken picked Des Moines as his favorite one, considering that it's the only one he did not buy on vinyl. So, uh, yeah, which is that. so rare. For I got it on Ken. CD though. Come on now. Yeah, but he I still Ken, might get it has, on vinyl. Yes, actually. he has 17 copies of Rock and Roll Over behind him and 52 copies of you know Alive too. <laughs> but he, he passes of, on this right. one on on vinyl. So, but I, I have a feeling that he'll end up buying it eventually. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I probably will. <laughs> mm, yes. Okay, so that's the one item done. We're going to move on now to, a, to a, a part of the show which has become pretty popular, actually, and that is the comments part of the show. And now that we have our good friend, Mr. Daniel, back with us, who originated the idea of it, we'll give him full credit for that, uh, he'll be the one to give us a few comments from last week's episode, which was five things that KISS did right. So, Daniel, what have you selected for us? Well, I've selected five picks from, from the the viewers, uh, or their picks, so to speak. Uh, I'll read you a few, uh, and then we can compare with what you picked. I wasn't on for this episode, but, but I, I watched it uh, uh, a week ago. Uh, so, Ro- Rome Loves Dan. Mm. His mm-hmm. number fifth pick is The Creatures Era. Then he picked the Marvel Kiss comic book. Mm. As number three, he had capturing the live energy of their early concerts on a live. And in second place, getting Ace to sing lead vocals on his songs instead mm-hmm. of having Peter singing them, I guess. And uh, number one, the whole makeup stage uh, alter ego personas, of course. And Mark G73. Ah, it rhymes. Uh, in fifth place, actually, Bruce Kulick. Uh, he ended mm. the revolving door of guitar players and kept them going until 96. Now, before unmasking on MTV in 1983, in third place, Reunion. Second place, Alive. And first place, Formation. Ace, Peter, Gene, Paul, Makeup, O'Coin, Bogart, Delaney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, yeah. There's a few picks from from the viewers, and uh, they have a question. Uh, also, Andrew's YouTube channel has been taken down? Question mark. That's you for an alien channel. Yes, I think it has been because of uh, the guy who's chasing every clip, kiss clip online, uh, mm. managed to close it down. The guy that sells those perch, uh, those uh, those purses, you know, Gucci. I mean, oh, Gucci. That's right. That's it. Never mind. <laughs> Gucci, <laughs> yeah. nice. And so, and, so, and Anthony Strait is he, he picked Vinnie Vincent. So some people might say he saved Kiss, and I guess he did a lot of good writing for them at least. Yeah. For sure. So yeah. that there, there's a few from 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 the viewers, good. and keep them coming. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We we always in, uh, invite your comments. Uh, just really quickly, since Daniel did mention it, just a quick recap. My five were. Number five, the ongoing reissue campaign with all the colored vinyls. I thought it was a good idea. Number four was the 96 reunion tour. It was long overdue. Number three was the Hot in the Shade tour, the return to more classic songs in the set list. I thought was very important. Number two was the Kiss Convention tour, re-energizing the Kiss fans and started the reunion buzz due to Peter's appearance in Los Angeles. And the Uh, last one was Creatures of the Night, returning to a heavier sound. Number one, yeah. So, uh, but uh, hold on. You said the reunion was way overdue. When when would you have would have liked mm-hmm. to see it start? Well, because you also you also said ninety five was a great thing they did there with the. Well, convention. I'm saying what I meant was that it was long overdue for the for the hardcore original people. Like they've been clamoring okay. for it for a long time. For me, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it I think it came out at just at the right time. Me because too. they were they were losing steam quite a bit after revenge like people yeah. were kind of dropping off left right and center so i think that the the convention 
re-got people excited again because they got to see Kiss play like these uh, acoustic sets and they played a bunch of old songs and you got to meet them and get an autograph and they had that running museum where they had all the old pieces and stuff. So people got re-energized about Kiss in general. And then when they did the MTV Unplugged, that sealed the deal and then it was pretty much a no-brainer from there. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken, do you remember yours? Do you remember my list? Them up here. I have yours here. Oh, so okay. Ken, Ken, Ken put down number five, number five was 1982 selecting Michael James Jackson as producer. Number four, he put the 1990 hot in the, sta hot in the, the shade. shade, the stage and set list, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, number three was 1996 putting the makeup back on for the reunion. Number two was 1983 taking off the makeup. And number one was 1975 recording and releasing alive. Mm. Yeah. as well. All valid points for sure. Yeah. Now we will go on. I'm saying those can change from day to day. Obviously, uh, they, they did a lot of great things, and then based on those uh, those comments, you know, everyone has a little bit of different ideas of the best thing. Like you know, for selecting Bruce Kulick, it was that the one we just heard uh, mm -hmm. in the comments, and, and that that's a definitely valid point too. So it's got to be on the list. I think it was a great topic you picked there because most of the time we KISS fans whine about the bad decisions or, or exactly. those things they don't do. But when you look back, they really made some good choices uh, yeah. Yeah. from time to time. They did. A lot more yeah, good than sure. bad. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but it's, it's just so much easier to find the negative and pick on that. <laughs> exactly. you know? sure. it just, that's just the nature of the hum, human being, right? To yes. do that. Mm -hmm. Um. Next, we have a bit of news items to talk about really quickly. Hot off the press here. Uh, <laughs> so, number one, Creatures of the Night, the Creatures box set, the reissue that has just recently come out, has been reduced in price now on Amazon down to $265. Now, uh, considering that's like 300 bucks on many other sites, including with Kiss Online, unless you buy the bundle, uh, it's a bit of a drop in price. For me, it's still ridiculously high in my opinion for mm -hmm. a box set uh i know many other box sets that are around that are cost considerably less than that but there's also inflation to consider blah 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 uh thoughts on that uh let's start with daniel what what are your thoughts on the drop in yeah. price yeah i think they overpriced that one and maybe they might see that it is they aren't moving units like they thought they would so maybe it's because of that and I still think I don't remember the the price for the destroyer box set, but it was much cheaper, I think, wasn't mm -hmm. it? I think yeah, it was I much cheaper. It being and yeah. I don't see that there are a whole lot more on the creatures box set, so I don't really know what, why they have chosen to to try to sell for that amount of money. Uh, as, and um, I don't know. I'm probably not getting it. But uh, I do like the live recordings that we've already heard, of course, if we've been online. Yeah. But mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to see if they manage to do something with those and make them sound even better. Uh, because it was really cool to hear almost full Creatures concerts and hearing, uh, hearing them fresh off the soundboard. I haven't heard anything in the vicinity of, of, of that sound that you heard on those recordings. And, of course, I like the demo that they released of that Vinnie Vincent song that Paul, yeah. you know, 
Skat sang over. So so mm -hmm. uh, I think it was kind of cool. 80s. A little bit of 80s cheese is never wrong. So uh, let's see what happens if if the price keep if it keeps dropping or, or if it stays there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It'll, Ken? It'll, um, I'm sure it'll go down more at some point, uh, maybe, maybe a while. Uh, because you know destroyer the destroyer box was down to, in i think around 131 dollars at one time mm -hmm. on amazon um so I, I expect definitely expect creatures to come down to under 200 at some point so you know it i i don't know i don't see it staying that high I, I, it depends on i guess how many they you know produced of these box sets i have no yeah. idea how many they created well, and I mean, what's interesting, Daniel brought up a point saying that the two boxes, the, the Destroyer one and this one, that they don't mm -hmm. seem to be too different in what they have. They're not too different. And that yet no. the Creatures is so much more expensive. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Creatures box, though, doesn't even have any Blu-ray stuff, does it? No. I don't, I don't think, think it so. has any Atmos mixes or anything like that. So that's, in fact, something that they have less than the Destroyer box. So why is it more? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that could be a debate that'll be hours and hours long with people. So leave it in your leave it in the comments. What do you? Why do you think it's yeah. changed, and why do you think this has happened? Okay. Um, next bit of item news we have here. I, we should probably run through this quicker because I'm sure Julian doesn't want to have a three-hour episode on his hands. Yeah. Uh, Love Gun picture disc has shipped. This is a big thing. If Lonnie was here, he'd probably be in shock because he was the one who was complaining about the fact that these things don't get shipped. To get, you know, he has to wait for one thing because he puts them together in bundles and, you know. So the uh, picture disc is apparently selling now. Uh, are you surprised, Ken, that it was so quickly after the announcement that it was delayed? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like a week ago that Lonnie said he got the notice. Like a couple of days before that, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, going to be delayed. But uh, and it then it shipped the following week, I think. You know, so. Um, yeah, it's good that they got it shipped. I just, I guess they couldn't ship it out with the the gold one that I have here. Um, mm -hmm. It probably, if you, you bought all of them at one time, you probably would have got it together. But uh, yeah, it's a little delay. At least they, you know, it didn't take too long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts? Well, I think this shipping issue that we have is just global. It's a problem. Yeah. And I guess they've become a bit better on. Uh, from Kiss uh, has thought it through a bit more because they had some big failures. Oh my God! <laughs> <Jesus>. hey. <laughs> oh, hi there, uh, my youngest kid just mm. popped in. Okay, scared <laughs> the living daylights out of me. Oh, uh, but um, where was I? Yeah, the shipping. Um, well, it is what it is. I mean. It's a problem globally. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm um, I'm really hoping that they will sort it out because it it affects you when you buy other stuff as well. So yeah, that's true. I don't know why it is rush over here. It's because of I guess Russia against Ukraine has messed up a lot of things. We have shortages shortages of different mm -hmm. kind of stuff and so <laughs> so on. So that's a big problem over here. I also think that it's also due to just the vinyl thing to begin with. I mean, there are so many things in line yeah. to get pressed. I mean, you know, 
mm-hmm. maybe the picture this stuff was put was put in later in their order so they had to wait for it they wasn't able to get it bumped ahead who knows so but mark but i have just a fast a fast question for you a short question uh we talked about creatures the creatures box set and and they are are they remastering or somehow remixing yeah. the yes. uh, uh, the creatures album. I just would like to hear your take. How do you think it will, will sound different than the previous releases? We have the, you know, the '82 original, and we have the one from '85, and then I think they did one in '97 or something. The CDs. Uh, yeah. What will be in 2014? What, what will the improvements be because uh, 14 as well. So that's something I really could. You know, I'm looking forward to if they can do something with it. But do well, you think they can improve it? Well, the one thing that I think that I'm curious to see about that is that they are releasing the half-speed master version of it on vinyl, right? Uh, some people consider it snake oil. They think it's just a bunch of hooey. That the, the half-speed doesn't really do that big a thing. I think there is a little bit of an improvement with the half-speed in the sense, but it, look, it's like anything. Do you like garlic in your food? Yes or no? I mean, it's just like that. Do you like the sound of the half speed? Do you not like the sound of it? I mean, for me personally, I, I didn't buy the half speed when I bought the the uh, three record blue vinyl one with the bonus stuff on it. Uh, but as long as they don't touch the mix, I know that this is just a remaster that they're doing. I don't think there's a remix of it. Mm-hmm. I think they're mm-hmm. just doing a remaster of this. And if that's the case, then I'm fine with it, as long as they use the proper tapes for it. Because, mm-hmm. like in 2014, they screwed up and they used the one that was the for used for the uh, reissue that came out with the non-makeup cover. And yeah, everyone's saying, "Oh, it's just well, it was only creatures that was remixed." But you know, overall, it just didn't sound the same. It didn't have the same emphasis. It didn't have the same boom to it. It didn't no. have the same power to it. So, I'm hoping that they'll get that right. And you know realize that when you have an album hmm. called creatures of the night it's got to have some power to it and you know as long as they have the original tapes i think that'll sound pretty decent yeah the uh, ken you wanted to say something yeah the 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 creatures hadn't had the original one pressed or on vinyl or on cd since well 97 was a remaster and that was a proper remaster mm-hmm. Uh, but 2014, they, they botched up and like Mark said, it was the 85 version. Um, they used the wrong, wrong one. And so, so this one is, they say is the real, is the original, uh, album, uh, but it's remastered. Mm -hmm. Um, and the blue, I think it's just remastered. I believe the black single final half speed mastered that one that one is going to be a different bit from the blue. Um, but I think it'll sound better to me. A lot of half speed stuff. Well, not all of it, but a lot of it sounds pretty darn good. At least the new ones that are half speed old time when they did half speed in the old days, Mm -hmm. didn't really improve, but the half speed that they did destroyer, I believe half speed, the destroyer sounds fantastic. It's one of the Mm -hmm. best sounding that I've, I've heard. So, of destroyer so uh i think it's gonna sound really really good on the half speed single black vinyl that's coming out yeah good so there you go uh with that said uh daniel do you think that that would make any difference for you as far as getting it or have you got it or what's going on with you 
uh, I don't know really. I, I'd like to have, have a big improvement. I don't know if I if there's something wrong with my ears because uh, at times when they release new stuff, I don't really can I can't really tell the difference. And mm-hmm. buying you know, the same stuff all over again, I'm so against that. So um, I, I don't have 15 copies of Love Gun, for example. No, I, I have two. I think. <laughs> That's enough for me. Very good. Uh, but we're, we're we're all different. But but I'm kind of interested in hearing if they can because it's such a long time th- since they remastered the album. I mean, '97. I don't know how long time ago that is. Twenty five, mm-hmm. <laughs> twenty five years or whatever. So um, we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So the last bit of news, and we should get on with this real quick. Uh, Ace Freely's Origins Volume 2 is coming out on Picture Disc for Record Store Day. Uh, getting it, yes or no? Ken? No, no. I, I'm kind of done buying some of these Picture Discs. <clears throat> and then the Ace one, Origins. You know, Origins is not a big deal for me. It's not a major album or anything, or new, new music. Um, mm-hmm. And Picture Disc, I mean, I do it with Kiss more than the individual artists. Um, so... No, I don't think I'm going to get it. It doesn't excite me at all. Daniel. Well, if Ken isn't getting it, I sure as hell ain't getting it either. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. so, there you go. So uh, so that's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I've personally never been really big on picture discs. The only artist I collect picture discs for is David Bowie. Mm. Uh, that's because I'm a big Bowie collector and... I've gotten pretty much every, all of them that have come out of the newer ones. I haven't gotten any of the 70s ones and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, not interested in those ones. But the new ones, I have gotten uh, a lot of the picture discs. So I'll get that. But I, I, like Ken, I'm not too interested in getting this picture disc either. I mean, I have the Origins 1 and 2 on vinyl, and I think that's good enough for me. So yeah. I'm going to just but leave Mark. it at that. Yeah. Mark, yeah. are you looking forward to the to the uh, movie that's coming out then? If you're into Bowie, oh, the Bowie movie. Oh yes, yes. The yeah, it's eight. it's gotten great reviews over here in Sweden. I mean, five out of five. So it 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 seems to be an interesting film. I have watched pretty much every Bowie documentary that has been online that mm-hmm. I could put my hands mm-hmm. onto. I've watched tons yeah. of them, and I'm very excited to see this one. Uh, not sure if I'll go to the theater or just wait till it comes out, but yeah. uh, they are putting it in theaters here, so I might go out and see it. But yeah, believe me, one way or another, I will be seeing this. You should be going to the cinema. I mean, that's the way to watch these things if you have the chance. I think you should. Okay, well, I'll definitely take a look at it when we get off here today and see what this. I'm so lucky. Yeah, I know. I know the guy running the cinema over here, so we have like private showings. If you want. oh, there you, you just, go. Yeah, just wow. Bring your Blu-ray or sure. DVD and. And you play it, nice. so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, well, if I had that kind of an advantage, I would definitely go and do it in a heartbeat. So, good for you, Daniel. I, let me, are, are you going to go see it? No, I, I'm no Dylan. Uh, I'm no. After all that, no. I want you to go to see it because you're a fan. Oh, okay. I've never I got really you. been into him, but uh, but I sure will watch it when it you know streams. But but if you yeah. like the music, it's such a different thing to be at the cinema, you know with the great sound and all that. So I I think you should go. I got you, my friend. Okay, so let's get on to the main topic. We have only spent 40 minutes doing this stuff. So I guess it's time to get on to 
with the main topic. Yeah, but uh, Mark, I think I think it's a good thing. I mean, it's flowing. We talk about whatever yeah, ends yeah. up. It's hey. not that you know we, we have to talk about this. We we kind of uh, loose and free. I like it. I like it. It's personally just a bit of a joke, actually, because I I know how much <laughs> I know how Julian likes to be regimented yeah, yeah. in his one hours and you know, so. <laughs> He's like, hey, you got to get this on this time and this time and. Come on, guys. Keep it one to this hour. time. Ju- Ju- Julian, Julian is not much into editing. Not when it comes to shows and not even his books. You know, they tend to be quite long. But well, good. Editing, good long yeah. though. Yeah. 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 Long. Yeah, well, but, sometimes... I mean, but he doesn't like long videos like this. He nope, likes his nope. one hour and that's people yeah. lose interest after a but while. We, we make sure we put in, you know, the times uh, slots so, so yeah. people know what's happened so they can. There you go. You know, you can skip forward if they want to. Yeah. With, skip that, with that said, let us go on today's topic. And today's topic is Kiss Crazy Nights 35th anniversary, 21st of September. 1987 this album right here came out mm-hmm. yeah. this is my, didn't bring my canadian first final pressing that came out i also have a u.s one i believe as well it's a promo u.s promo yeah i think i have that one as well uh, gold stamp yeah. uh i'm a big you know what? Believe it or not, throughout the years, I've become much more of a fan of this album to begin with. I also have stuff like the touring itinerary. This is the early one. Oh, nice. That's good and this have. is the later one. I both got them off of our good friend Julian Gill. Oh. Okay. Uh, when he when we were at the Kiss convention at the uh, was at the uh, Rock and Pod convention. Oh, I got it from him. Rock and Pod. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the actual mm-hmm. resource for something like this, which is Danger Zone by Julian Gill. Well, that. Fantastic read. If you don't own this book, smack yourself <laughs> in the head for being so foolish, and go out and grab it. If not, just Daniel. If, if not because you like the album, but you know to support fantastic authors like Julian Gill, who deserve our support. Okay. So it's not in the right language, though, for Daniel. No, but I mean, look, Daniel is a man of the world. He is global. He knows our language. He can speak yeah. English well. I'm sure he can read it pretty well. So. Oh yeah. There you go. I'm much, so, be- I'm much better at reading than speaking. Speaking is the hardest part. You know, you don't have the time to come up with the words. Right. I'm sure you know this when you try to speak German or whatever. Yeah, I don't know exactly. what other languages you speak. You know. It's not so nine. I speak yeah. Slovak. I speak English. <laughs> nine. Uh, but uh, so with that said, my friend Daniel, yeah. what excuse do you have for not buying such a fine book? Well, to be quite honest, and I'm always honest with you guys, mm-hmm. I've read quite a few bad reviews of Julian's book. People saying that it's, uh, you know, feels like it's not really finished. Uh, but <clears throat> it seems like you guys have a different take on it. You think it's worth buying? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. for for me... The first thing about it I immediately got to is when I read and saw that Christopher Lent, which was the guy yeah. who was their main managerial, wrote you know, Kiss and Sell book, wrote the Kiss and Sell book. Yeah, and, and I mean, he was the one who got fired during this tour. Yeah. I mean, right away, right there, it's like, I got to read what he said. You know, yeah. I mean, come on, like, right there. And plus, it has, you know, you have all the musicians in there. Bruce Kulik. You have the producers, you have Bruce, Bruce mm-hmm. Kulik in there. I mean, and not only that, but I mean, you have all kinds of fantastic 
statistics. I mean, if, if you own his touring books, then you know how fantastic those little bits of information are. Well, you have all those kind of bits here for this tour. All right, so you can go mm -hmm. through the whole tour. He also has lots of little, well, not lots, because Ken uh, Julian's not much for photographs in his books, but he yeah. has like good little pictures in here and Song newsletters. Stories, and, you know. Yeah, there's look honestly, if you if you like his history and minutia, these kind of books are fantastic. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I would say most more <clears throat> lot more people than not enjoy these books that <clears throat> Julian had put out. Um, yeah, there's mm -hmm. there's a few people that probably. Don't I mean, come on, look at look care, at the the but, elder book, the the, the yeah, solo album, the solo album book. I those mean, are those are great books. I mean, I'm a Kiss fan, I, and if you're a Kiss fan, yeah. you're gonna love them. Yeah, book. but when you read reviews, I've read the others, the elder and the solo albums, yeah. uh, and they got great reviews. It, this didn't get the same reviews from what I can can tell, but. You guys might have convinced me. I might have to go get that one as well and uh, it, read through it. It may have to do with the album itself sometimes too. Might I have mean, to do, yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's true. And, I, and I'm and I'm telling you honestly, like this book is about 250 pages. Now, don't forget, I'll, there's a lot of it is the, you know, the, the the concert statistics and stuff like that. But you know, there's also a lot of great interviews in here and his interviews are fantastic mm -hmm. in here like I I can't tell you how many times I read through his books and was like wow I did not know that or, or a person like me who loves mixing or does involve with you know audio production there's so many things that I get answered in these books so for me they're no-brainer you know I go and get them right away so yeah. don't always believe what you read with, with no, reviews either you know the only that's criticism true. that I would give <laughs> and oh. so I probably won't be here next week. <laughs> no, um, uh, no, uh, that uh, I would. No, actually, I will not. There's no criticism. So I, I couldn't find the table of contents, and there it is. So I was just because there wasn't table of contents, but that was my fault, of course. So there's no criticisms. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Chris Lent, Phil Ashley, Diane Warren. Adam Mitchell, these are all interviews, people who were interviewed, Bill Turgeon, Tom Kelly, Gary Corbett, you know, the keyboardist, uh, mm -hmm. Bruce, Bruce Kulik, we said, Ron Nevison, the producer, yeah. producer. Uh, and, and that sort of stuff. So th those are the main people, uh, people that were involved in the Crazy Nights project. So it's, yeah. you know, here are all their different uh, perspectives exactly. and, and how they were involved. So with that I guess said, I, 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 okay, let's. No, go on, go on, go on. I, I just, uh, <laughs> I just like to say, when I speak to Swedish Kiss fans, they have read his books as well. But the most common criticism is people think he should get an editor. I mean, I've heard from so Julian, many. Julian people. has said that himself. That his editor, some of his earlier yeah. books, you know, that he that's, needed that's an editor. That's the only criti I mean, that's the only criticism I've heard. But I've heard it from several sources. So, so that might be. Yeah. An idea for future projects, maybe. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, people, let's put it this way. It's like smoking, okay? People say that they want to That's quit smoking, but you have to be ready to quit smoking to do it, right? Just like an editor. He's like a writer. He's He wants to get the, the editor. Something in the back of his head is saying to get an editor, but until he's mm -hmm. ready to do it, he's not yeah, going to do true. it. 
Right. So after all this, uh, talking about that, um, you know, Daniel and I will probably never be on the show again after today. No. <laughs> Oh, come on. You guys didn't say that bad of stuff. But I think we've always been honest, and we're no no brown noses, no one of us. So we we speak our mind. I think he appreciates any Mm -hmm. type of constructive criticism. I don't think he minds. If if you're a Kiss fan, you'll like it. Then I need to get the. I'll buy the book, Julian, so you don't have to kick me out. You'll get my money. Uh, That'll hold your spot. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. So now that we've sold a book and we have <laughs> reviewed the book a little bit further, book, yeah. uh, let's start with our thoughts on Crazy Night. So let's go to Daniel. What are your initial thoughts about Crazy Thoughts and the time period in general? What did you think of the 1987 time? But let's start with the album itself. What did you think of Crazy Nights? <clears throat> Do you mean when I first bought it or now or both? Or... Well, let's, let's start with when you first bought it. When I first bought it. Uh, I bought it... Um... I think only two months after it its release, I got it for my birthday, and I'm, my birthday is in November, so I got it fresh off the presses, so to speak, and uh, I was really pumped up because it was the first album, you know, that was released when I had become a Kiss fan. I got Asylum and Animalize in '85, but I hadn't, you know, anticipated their releases, but. This time around, I have had waited and waited, and finally, it felt like it was a long, long time. But mm-hmm. looking back, it wasn't that long time between <laughs> Asylum and Crazy Nights. When you think about, you know, uh, Psycho Circus, Monster, Sonic mm-hmm. Boom, and times are different now. But a long wait, and uh, I had been reading about the album for years. It felt. I mean, they were waiting because. They were waiting to get the right producer, and you heard some some titles being thrown around. And um, finally, it was released. And I remember it vividly. I it was on my birthday. Me and a friend who was a Kiss fan back then put it on and listened to the LP from start to finish. And I remember immediately feeling a little bit disappointed because it strayed away somewhat from the Kiss albums that I liked. And by this point, it was Creatures, Lick It Up, Asylum, and Animalize. You know, when Kiss were mimicking the new wave of British metal, British Mm -hmm. heavy metal, maybe. Now it seemed like they were looking more at stuff like Slippery When Wet by Bon Jovi, maybe. Or even to a greater extent, the album from Aussie, you know, with Shot in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ultimate Sin. I think it sounds a bit like that one. Um, but the keyboards are way up front. I felt there were too much keyboards. I don't mind keyboards, but it was like they put everything else in the background. The keyboards are really up front. front. So I didn't like the sound, I think. Um, even though I think the videos were uh, great. When it mm-hmm. comes to 80s videos, I think Crazy Nights, Crazy Crazy Nights is a great video. And even Reason to Live is pretty good. I mean, they have sort of a story and uh, the live shots look awesome. And it uh, feels like they have this big, huge show, which mm-hmm. they might have had for a f- few months. But then it was really scaled down when they came over here. So I was really disappointed. That was my first impression. Okay. So there you go. Let's go over to Ken. What are your thoughts? Um, 
Well, I'm sure I got, you know, bought it right when it came out, probably the day it was available, uh, which is, I guess, September 21st, 87. Um, and, and Daniel was right about the two, you know, it was a longer wait because it was like two years uh, in between. Um, yeah. Because they waited, they were waiting for uh, Ron Nevison to become available mm-hmm. um, because that's what, you know, Paul wanted. So, um so I remember, I remember the album, I thought, it, you know, I thought, well, they, I was initially thought, yeah, it sounds like Crazy Nights is going to be a hit, just, just the way it was written and it sounded. It's a definitely single quality. Um, <clears throat> but I think, again, you know, it's just it's maybe because it's, it was too late um, in, in, in getting that sound because they're, they're kind of following that sound and it's already starting to pass by already. Um, um, jumping on the Bon Jovi or whatever, you know, bandwagon, Heart, uh, which is all ne- Nevison produced stuff, mm-hmm. all sounded the same pretty much. Um, uh, so yeah, it was an attempt to to try to get a hit and and match in sales at least what these other big bands were doing too. So, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a good album. I, I you know, we'll probably talk about it, but I listened to it again recently here. Um, and certain things don't sound too good anymore. <laughs> and there's certain other things that I probably didn't like as much. I like more now. Um, so mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. When I first got this album, uh, it didn't bother me. And I'll tell you why. Um, when it first came out, there was a big craze around here for like Bon Jovi, Slippery, One What, and stuff mm. like that. That was a big, big album. Yeah. You know, and everybody and their brother was learning, you know, licks like, you know, You Give Love a Bad Name and, you know, all that stuff. So it, it you get so used to it. Even if you weren't like a fan of it, it was on the radio all the time. You know, your second friend, you know, like maybe not your best friend, but your other friend might go into his car and he might have it in a CD player. So you're kind of surrounded by it. So you become used to the sound of it. So when this album came out, it wasn't like, oh my god. It was kind of like, oh, this it sounds almost familiar because of that production style. Right. But you know, as you become more of a diehard Kiss fan, and you become more uh, critical of things, and you start listening for more different things, and when you become more involved in music, like I, I was, that was that was still early days for me. Like '87 was like, I had just done my first actual studio recording at like 16 years old at a 16 track studio. So it was still very early for me, the whole production end of it. But once I became more involved in it, then I started noticing the very shocking differences between some of the albums like Asylum and this one, or even like Creatures of the Night and this one, right? So my initial thoughts of it were not bad. They were like, okay, this just sounds like something that's come out at, at the time. It sounds familiar. And that was, if it, if, it, if it was me now, transported back then, that would have been the thing that I would have disliked about it. Is that it just sounds like the things that were out and that were popular at that point. They weren't forging their own trail like Kiss were kind of known to do back in the day a bit more, right? You know, they, they weren't following as much as they were in the later days, right? So it didn't really bother me that much. And, you know, like I said, I think it has a lot to do with that time period. I was so used to the music of that time period. And... Ultimate Sin is my favorite Ozzy album. Yeah. So, oh, wow. so okay. for me, that would have been yeah. like, oh, hey, you know. That's like, surprising. <clears throat> oh, it shouldn't be because Jakey Lee is my favorite guitar player oh, okay. from Ozzy, period. 
And I, I love that album. I think that the album was a work of complete genius masterpiece, in my opinion. So, Mark, what, uh, what did yeah. you think of Red Dragon Cartel? It was called, yeah. Um, it's okay. It's big comeback, you know. Big comeback? No, I think it's not no. a disappointing in that light. If he would have just came back and said, "Hey, I'm back. I got a record out of being, yeah, it's pretty cool." But I think he hyped it up a bit too much. And honestly, I just don't think he had the right people for it. I mean, he could have gotten much better players, I think, involved in that, right? But you know, I I is it, I is do it like true that he wrote a lot of the stuff on Ultimate Sin without getting credit? Uh, well, the first, oh, the whole of Bark at the Moon, he got no credit at all, and he pretty much wrote ninety five percent of that. Okay. along with Bob Daisley, right? Hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, Ozzy and Sharon were notorious for yeah. jipping people off and that. I mean, that was the whole reason why Ultimate Sin took a little while to get done because Jake was like, no, I'm not going back in until I get some sort of agreement that I'm getting paid this time, hmm. you know? <laughs> Good for him, right? Yeah. I'm not sure how that completely turned out, but, you know, he wasn't in a band much longer, so let's just leave it at that. Um <laughs> How does the music stand up for you guys? Uh, we kind of went over that a little bit, but let's let's go a little bit more in depth with this. How do you, how does it? So this is more like, what do you think of the album now? How does mm -hmm. the music stand up? And pick a couple of favorites from the album. Let's start again with Daniel. What do you think are? What does it sound? What are your opinions of the album now? And pick a couple of favorites. I think the album is really stuck in in time, so to speak. It's it's in that period. It's in the hair metal period, and it's hard to, you know, some albums, you know, like Rock and Roll Over or Creatures of the Night. It doesn't really matter. They always sound good, but Creature uh, Crazy Nights, they went hair metal all in and. Mm -hmm a bit too much and I think I I actually tried to listen to the album as well this week I listened when I rode the bike to 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 work every day but I didn't get through the whole album <laughs> uh, I didn't get uh, I think uh, there are very few songs that stand out for me the title track is great maybe because I've heard it so many times in concerts and I think it's a great live track uh, the current lineup have done it really well at times, and it always works well. I think it was kind of big in Europe. We know it went to number four in the UK, but people over here mm -hmm. seem to know it as well. So it works well live. So so I guess uh, that song has grown on me, so I like that one. But really, after that song, I have a hard time finding anything that really stands out. Um, I mean, they're pretty good. Uh, my way with the over-the-top vocals. There's a good some, song somewhere in there, but yeah. uh, uh, to me the production is such a. Uh, I mean, it's a problem for me, uh, and it, it all comes back to uh, keyboards completely taking over almost at times. Um, so um, mm -hmm. ah, for me, I'd, I'd just say "Crazy Crazy Nights" is a great song, but other than that. No real standouts. I think Reason to Live is a decent, uh, you know, uh, ballad, but they've done a lot better forever or even mm -hmm. every time I look at you, at you, I think it's better. Thrills in the Night is somewhat of a ballad, maybe, and it's better. So, ah, 
Crazy Crazy Nights is a good song, but the rest, uh, I can only... I think Sword and Stone would have been my second favorite. Mm. They mm. didn't make the album, you know. Yeah. It was cut by Ron Nevison. Somehow, I don't know. And the worst song is probably Bang Bang You. I just have to mm. put that yeah. one in there as well. Yeah, hey, everybody's got an opinion mm -hmm. of it. And yeah. That's how it is, right? Ken, what about you? Yeah, um, you know... I think the, the the key thing with this album is the Kiss did what they did, you know, they forgot what they already fixed and then they started to ruin things again, kind of. So it's kind of like, you know, they, they, they lost their way and then they did the Elder, right, got to the point of the Elder and then Creatures of the Night came, comes out and they're, they're very heavy again. And then they thought, okay, this is this is what they should be doing. So they, you know, they go creatures of the night, lick it up, animalize, asylum, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> this, you know, they didn't learn their didn't learn their lesson as the type of music they should be putting out. Um, so this was, you know, kind of like I said, Paul's idea. But as far as uh, the music, um, yeah, it's not like Daniel says; it's kind of dated. It does have that '80s you know, sound mm -hmm. from back then. Um, some of the songs that, you know, I, I like about half of them um, uh, more than anything else. Um, of course, Crazy Crazy Nights is, you know, is, is a good song, great song. Um, I find I'll Fight Hell to Hold You is really good. Um, one song that I didn't care for so much at the beginning, it was surprisingly, I guess, maybe, was No, No, No. But... I like it a lot better now. I think it's actually a pretty darn good song. Where I thought oh, I was okay back then. They were just trying to do do what some other bands were doing. But I really like that song. It's just to me now. It sounds better to me than it did back then. Um, Hello High Water. Um, I thought it was probably the best Gene song on the album. Um, and then uh, Reason to Live. You know, solid ballad. And then obviously Turn on the Night was a Another song that you know became the third single. It should have been to my, to me, it should have been the first single off of the album. Um, so that's about about it. I don't like all the the high my way you know song kind of high vocals that Paul Stanley's doing. You know, vocal anesthetics or whatever you want to call it. Calisthenics. Um, calisthenics. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of the wrong word. Um, calisthenics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, but otherwise, you know, again, there's some, again, some good, cool stuff on here. Um, not, and it's probably lower on my list of their albums, you know, down my list of favorite albums. But, uh, I mean, it's not horrible. It's just the production is, is yeah. you know, it's, it's, gotcha. not, it's not right for yeah. them. The sound's not real, right. Real quick, real quick, I just have to add two things I, I thought of when, when you were talking. Yeah. And uh, the first one is, uh, there are a few good songs. Uh, you can hear that when you hear Bruce Kulick playing them live. You and know, he's great. Then they sound right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then uh, some of the songs become much better. That's the first thing. The other thing, I think, is when you talked about No, 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 I think it's quite interesting that they gave Bruce such, you know, 
such Lee a Wei? playground. You, yeah, you know, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he likes own. He, he he can you know do whatever he likes through the whole song. He gets the whole intro. They've never done it like that before, and no. certainly not with Vinny Vincent. They try to you know st- restrain him and 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 you know keep it down. And all of a sudden, here's Bruce. He's not been in the band that long. You know, joined yeah. in '85, mm-hmm. and then he gets this room to do whatever he likes. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, well, it showed their belief in him. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on it are: I think that the album hasn't aged particularly well. I mean, it's not a bad sounding record, but it's definitely an album that's lumped in a time period where you can yeah. put it on and you can say, "Wow, this is for sure 1986 <laughs> or 87." You mm-hmm. know, and Again, a couple of interesting points brought by both of my cohorts here. Uh, Daniel saying how when Bruce Kulick plays it's, plays the material now live, it sounds better like it should be, which points back to one important thing. It's the production of the album that hurt it. And lots of people said that, including Gene Simmons and including Paul Stanley, yeah. where the keyboards got pushed up way too high up in the mix. I mean, I heard at the uh, Rock and Rockin Pod convention they played a version of the album in the early stage where the keyboards were not pushed up at all in there. They're very much in the back. And it's like almost a completely different record. It sounded much heavier. It sounded much more not so Bon Jovi-ish in sound. Uh, and it's funny what a little bit of remixing and tweaking can mm-hmm. do to make an album sound the way it does. Uh I think that there's some songs on here that I've always loved. I've always loved Crazy Crazy Nights. I've always loved Turn On The Night. Turn On The Night's been one of the songs I've talked about probably the most off of this album. That's such a strong memory for me. But the funny thing is there are songs on here that I was kind of like blech on before that have kind of came up in stature. Uh, Good Girl Gone Bad, I kind of surprisingly liked that a lot more than I ever did before. Hmm. And... Hell or High Water, I think, is one of Gene's better songs on this album, for sure. Now, No, 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 I always kind of thought was kind of a throwaway song. But in recent years, I've kind of come to love it because, you know, as I've gotten better as a guitar player, I kind of was like, wow, Bruce did some pretty good playing there at the top. But another thing that helped is Chris Jericho and a couple of musicians, I think Charlie Benante, and a few other people did a really good cover of it hmm. that you can find on YouTube. And uh, Chris Jericho sung it really good. I think the production of it is much more the way people would have hoped it would have sounded on album. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would advise people to go on YouTube and check that version out. It's really really good. Is it with uh, the quarantine? His uh, yeah know, like yeah his tributes thing yeah. yeah. I, I I think that it really shined a different light on that song particularly and makes you wonder if quarantine were to have redone this whole record in that sort of thinking mm-hmm. how would it have, how would it have sounded would it have been more to people's likings would have people said wow this is actually not as bad an album as i'm thinking yeah you know so yeah so that that's kind of my my thoughts on that so next up is what would you have done differently for this record regarding the music or the album cover or even the tour? So let's go back to Daniel on this. What would you have done differently on this album? 
I think the album cover worked when you were a teenager. I think it, mm-hmm. you thought it was kind of cool. Looking back, it's kind of you know a cliche or or it's not a really a, you know original idea. But I think it kind of works. I mean, it's a lot better than a lot of the other <clears throat> album covers. We have the next one was really bad. You know, hot in the shade with the Sphinx on. on, on. Yeah. So I think it's a good 80s looking record. I, I like I, li- I like it. And of course, Paul's uh, underwear there is real <laughs> swell as well. Yeah. Real good looking. Well, we're too close. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, when it comes to how it sounds, well, of course, push back the keyboards more. Um, uh, pick different songs. Uh, you know, leave Bang Bang you off the album mm-hmm. put in uh, uh, sword and stone and i know paul was writing a whole lot for other artists at this point they didn't really pick up many of his songs but it had a few more songs that could have worked uh, so I, th- I don't know how they did the song selection for this album I- i'm sure paul didn't want sword and stone off the album maybe ron nevison um, you know yeah was the leader and picked and the, the, the ones he liked. So that's a real, you know, um, I've always loved Sword and Stone. I think it's such a shame they didn't do it while Paul could sing it like he did back then because it was yeah. released by some other band and when Paul didn't sing on it, it wasn't really, it didn't sound as good. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't remember that band, but yeah. some well, 80s what's, band. What's interesting though is that there are a lot of songs written for this record. You have mm-hmm. like a song like are you always this hot? Sword and stone, no mercy. Dial L for love. The troubles inside you. It's my life was redone mm-hmm. once again. Uh, when two hearts collide. Best man for you. Don't let go. Jump the gun. I mean, there is a lot of material that was done for this. Time yeah, I think jump the gun should have. Yeah, time yeah. traveler should have been there. Jump the gun should have mm-hmm. been there. Uh, and one or two of the others as well, uh, especially It's My Life. That's, you know, when we did the best uh, <laughs> yeah. songs that didn't make an album. Yeah. Uh, it's My Life won on that episode, Kiss so, the Q episode. Before we go to Ken, what are, what are your thoughts on the tour? I mean, you you mentioned something that was very mm-hmm. interesting, that you said that the, they had a big show at the beginning, but when it came to Europe, they had really scaled it down. Now, did you see this tour? And if so, what were your thoughts? And what were your thoughts on the tour in general? I didn't see the tour. I was a little bit too young to 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 make it. But um, I know people who saw the tour, and uh, you have to think that this is. Uh, you have to keep in mind that this is in the eighties, and all the information we got was really from one magazine and that was the UK magazine out of Sweden I'm not sure if you if you know it but that was uh, what we where we found our kiss news mm-hmm. and they always had great photos from kiss live with this big explosion so I, I I know a lot of friends who went to the show and were really disappointed mm-hmm. I mean they where are the explosions where is mm. the big kiss sign? They thought they would bring that. And at least here in Sweden, they played real small places, only a few thousand people. Yeah. So I guess the tour at times is described as really successful, but I don't, I'm not sure. It was really long, at least. 
It was a long tour, <laughs> and they went through a lot of countries, and they even made it out to Japan once again. Um, and when you watch that show, I mean, the band is pretty good, but there's, you know, there's a good pro shot from J Tokyo '88, but the show mm -hmm. is non-existent. So, so uh, I think uh, Kiss show, sh you should have some explosions. You should, that's part of Kiss live. <clears throat> so. I think the tour was a letdown, and that awful concert from Philadelphia, they look so lackluster. It doesn't seem like they're into it. But maybe they were better at, 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 at other in other cities. Uh, but they sure uh, got it right on the next tour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, what's, what's interesting is you bring up the tour, and you said that it wasn't really successful in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm looking at the num numbers here, and... The, the shows that they played here, they played at a in Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, and the attendance was only 4,500 people out of an 8,000 seat mm -hmm. place. Okay, mm. then they played in Stockholm, Sweden, at the at the promoter was EMI Telestar at the Estadion, Estadion. That's close that. enough. Okay, <laughs> uh, 9,000 attendance maximum, but they only had 6,000 people go there. Uh, it says that there is a pro shot of Love Gun from the back of the house yeah. broadcast from TV Scandinavian Night Flight mm -hmm. special. For yeah, that's that. out there. And the last thing, I think there's one more here, I think. No, the other one is from Finland, where it was only 8,200 people. In Norway, there was only 5,000. So, yeah, the numbers were much smaller, obviously, in uh, places like that. Uh, in Japan, when they where they played, the numbers were probably a bit better. Yeah, 16,000 for uh, Castle Hall, Osaka, Japan. And Nagoya, there was 10,000. Uh, Budokan, there was... Uh, April 20th, they had 5,000. And Budokan, on the 21st, they had 14,000. So the numbers kind of varied a bit here. And then the uh, Yoyoga Olympic Pool in Tokyo, uh, it doesn't have the numbers here for that, but... You know, Japan, they've always done fairly well. And the numbers yeah. in America were not that great either. I mean, you look here in uh, Indiana, they've had 3,400 people. This one, look at this, a terrible. Peoria, Illinois. Uh, maximum attendance is 11,000, and they only had 5,000 people show up. The next night in, in, in Winnipeg, there was 12,000 seat arena. There was only 5,000 people show up. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people were saying, too, that... That the, that the shows themselves were very uninspired. Like, if you look at the show that he did in Philadelphia, I had the full show of that on VHS tape. And surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, on Kissology, they only put a part of that show on the DVD. Because if you watch the whole thing, it's pretty apparent that they were not interested at all during that show. They, it's like they wanted to just get the hell out of there. Like, And that's Philadelphia, one of the hotspot mm -hmm. places for Kiss. Now, another complaint for this tour was they were only playing between 65 minutes and 75 minutes, and that was it. They were only playing the yeah. minimum amount that they were contracted to play and getting the hell out of there. So obviously, they were at a very low point in their career at that point, you know. So it's very interesting that how this tour was going. Now, Ken, I didn't forget about you, my friend. No, what are your thoughts? on the uh, music of, and the, what would you have done differently with the cover or the tour, etc. Okay. Well, 
I, I mean, Gene was right where he was. He didn't. He didn't want to go this. Have this kind of production. He wanted to mm -hmm. keep it rocking. Um, but he, you know, he fell in line and was a team player and, and you know, <laughs> did what Paul wanted, right? Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I would have had a, definitely a different producer. It wasn't the right producer for them. There's a lot of the great producers out there at the time that they could have chosen and had a, a great rocking album. But, you know, they, they made a mistake again, obviously, uh, with the production. Um, but um, if we're changing, what would I have done differently? The album covers, you know, perfectly fine. The back, you know, nowadays, uh, the Paul Stanley, I would have said, you know, pull up your pants, maybe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> pull up your pants. Pull up your pants. You don't need to do that, you know. Come on. But whatever, you know, that, that's fine, whatever. Um, and then uh, it's, it's more about, you know, just the music. The production is, is the key thing uh, with this whole album. Um, you know, there's some great songs there that could have been a lot better had they been produced in a different way and s sung in a lower register voice, you know. So that's what the album, that's, that's for the tour. I agree with you. I was there. I went to the mm. San Francisco Civic Auditorium, which is a smaller place. Usually they were playing places like out here, which is like Oakland Arena, uh, or or the Cal do you remember Palace. the date do i remember the date it's in the book <laughs> i can't remember it off off it uh, could have been I'll, I'll look. april I'll look. or something Continue. but anyway um it's in there um and it it wasn't full uh, you know that that place it's smaller it, it didn't sell you know sell out or anything um but the same way uh, daniel was talking about some of the things uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of lackluster. They, it seemed like they weren't really into it as much as they normally are when you see them. Um, and the short, the set, set list was shorter. It was a shorter show. It seemed like they just wanted to, you know, get in there and get out kind of thing. Um, they performed fine. Um, yeah, stripped down. The stage wasn't anything to be excited about. Not a lot of, you know, like Daniel said, explosions and, and this and that um, going on. Just went through it real quick. Uh, it was the it was the my least favorite Kiss show out of all Kiss shows up till now. My least favorite. I mean, it's the one that just always stands out to me as there's something wrong here. I mean, when I left the concert, I thought there's something, you know, this is, something's missing. Um, so, you know, even the hunger or something. But obviously, they were in, you know, the money wasn't doing well. They weren't doing well selling uh, uh, places, um, selling arenas or anything out. So, uh, yeah, they were kind of in trouble. But they weren't helping themselves by putting on a lackluster, a little bit of a lackluster, you know, performance uh, for the concert payers or whatever. So, um uh, anything else differently you know nothing else is different we went over all that so in the tour like i said um my least favorite tour uh seeing seeing kiss live so it says here you're saying you saw them in san francisco right yes okay so it's march 30th civic auditorium uh it says here presented okay. by bill graham opening act was anthrax yeah anthrax on this 
Uh, it says <laughs> didn't go, they don't go review, together. <laughs> it says here, the local review was, two years ago, Kiss played the Cow Palace show, which was half empty. <laughs> Wednesday night, it was even worse, with a much smaller attendance at the Civic Auditorium with only two-thirds full. But Kiss hangs on, saying things like, we're here to kick your motherfucking ass, says Paul Stanley, his first <laughs> words on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so apparently there was they were vulgar and silly, but that's much of a rock and roll, apparently. Yeah. Uh, there was no fireworks. Uh, the fire... Okay, here we go. It's interesting here. Uh, some years back, Kiss dispensed with the white makeup they used to wear, and on this tour, possibly concessions to the fact that they were not making as much money th- that as they used to. There was no fireworks, fire-breathing stunts, or bombs going off at the end of the songs. All that's left is four letters with saying "kiss" in lights on the back of the stage. So mm. it was really stripped yeah, down even then. <laughs> Talking about Ken attending concerts, aren't Kiss coming to your neck of the woods pretty soon? Oh well, they are playing uh, what they call the Aftershock Festival yeah. or something like that in uh, Sacramento, which is you know about a, a, over over an hour away. Um, but I'm yeah. not I'm not going to go to it. Um, it's it's not the same kind and of environment. And you call yourself a Kiss fan? Well, I know you've seen them, them so many times. The now. main tour, but, but that that one is going to be a, just a big mess, and it's not. They're not going to have their. Well, they may have their stage or part of it, um, but uh, usually... I just have to tell you. I mean, I went I went to see them a few months back, and it was awesome. But then it was you know a sold out arena, and it was their show. It's somewhat different when it's uh It's their show and a and a and a package thing is is different. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I saw them three years in a row. You know, twenty you know, last year, the year before, and the year before. So I just, I, it's not like I hadn't seen them recently. So okay. yeah, <clears throat> very good. So what is interesting looking back at that because you know that was one thing that was kind of shocking to me was that whole no drive and desire because. If I remember correctly, Gene Simmons has always said that no matter what the situation, whether it's a club or a big show, we mm-hmm. always give our fans 100% and the best show that we could possibly do. Mm-hmm. Apparently not for crazy nights, though. But, uh, you know, hey, look, I'm not going to bust their balls. They were going through management issues. They are going through financial issues. Hey, Paul Stanley, they waited two years to get this record done. Mm-hmm. In between then, Paul Stanley, you know, the electricity was turned off at his house because they were so far behind on bills and stuff like that. So <laughs> it was an easy time for them. You know, you can read all this stuff in books by, you know, Ken Sharp and all these people. So you can, this is not just me making shit up. It's out there. It's documented. So it was a tough time for them. So, you know, ask yourself if you were a touring band, you know, and just a tour before that, just to make things level out. They increased the ticket prices by two dollars, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you increase two dollars by, you know, five thousand people, that's extra money right there, mm-hmm. right? So to try to even things out, but even that wasn't helping at this point of the tour. So, you know, it's frustrating. You know, they were they were supposed to get excited about playing to, you know, a sold out seven thousand seat place where they were playing to like you know double or three times that years before. Mm-hmm. So it's tough, you know. Now. The one of the last things that we're going to talk about, as far as creatures of the night goes, a creature of crazy nights goes, is: Do you think this album is worthy of a deluxe box set version, similar to Destroyer or Creatures of the Night? 
So let's go to the optimistical man, the man who will seek his do no wrong, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ken. What do you think, Mr. Ken Keenan? Do you think that this album is worthy of a deluxe box set? Um, yeah, I do. Um, not quite as big as Creatures or, or Destroyer, but there's a lot of leftover material uh, that they can add here, you know, unreleased tracks that they've demoed or it, they just didn't, you know, didn't make the cut. Uh, there's a lot of cool songs um, that they wrote or and uh, created. So, yeah, from the standpoint, but what I would do is I wouldn't make it as crazy, <laughs> the wrong word, but as um, <clears throat> crazy, like, oh, that's what, that, well, let me just go back. One of the things I would have changed uh, for the Crazy Nights album cover is I would have been cr crazy, spelled crazy with a K on it. To me, it was obvious. They, I mean, come on, K, kiss. They should have done it. It's just spell it with a K. Kind of like history, all that stuff. They should have put a K. But anyway, that's just something that I thought they missed. Um, but box set, what I would think is remastering it, right, first. Mm -hmm. I would also create on another disc a remix edition, mm -hmm. which would remix it, bring it, you know, bring the guitars forward, Put the keyboards back, you know. Try to give it a more harder edge uh, of an album. I think that would go over Great. big time if they did that on this album. I think it would. I think it would sell if they did that. Um, and then another disc, which is the you know outtakes and demos, other you know all the other unreleased songs uh, on that, and then probably one uh, live. Uh, like maybe Japan or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> like pro, you know, a like soundboard kind of thing. Yeah. On that, and then mm -hmm. yeah, they, they could do some other stuff with it. Uh, it you know, they still have a press kit and a book and stuff like that, but it's not going to be as much. I don't think extra song stories. You can still do all that stuff as they do in the same box set, but I don't think they can put as many trinkets and other stuff. Uh, and maybe lower the price a little bit. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think I think it could work. I think that would be a, a decent a decent box set. I, I definitely would you know get it if they did that. Interesting. What about you, Daniel? Uh, Ken uh, has a lot of good ideas, and the one thing I feel is that I'd like just a single disc, a remix or a remaster or both. That's what I need. Mm -hmm. I don't really need a box set of, of the material. Of course, it would be fun to see what they got in, in the vault. But before they release crazy, a Crazy Nights Night box set, they can release any box set from the 70s or True. the other 80s albums or Revenge. I'd rather see that than a Crazy Nights box set. Uh, uh, when it comes to albums, I only rank like hit, Hot in the Shade, Lower, and maybe Monster and Psycho Circus and maybe Sonic Boom but then it's Crazy Nights and that's you know the bottom records for me so of course we always like to see the extra material the the, the demos the leftovers and, and all that it's fine but I'd rather see a lot of other box sets before this one but there are a lot of material but what we do need is a remix a remaster of the album so it sounds like you know, more like a rock album than than 
you know, keyboard synth pop. That's Agreed. it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I kind of like both ideas. What what I'd like to see, if you're going to go down the route of doing a deluxe box for this, you have to definitely do something that's going to really make people sit up and go, whoa, okay, now, now you got my attention. Number one, uh, a remix of it is, will definitely put people's ears you know, perk it up a bit going, okay, well, now now there's something I'm interested in here to hear a different mix of this album in a way that maybe I thought it should have been. But another thing, I, and, I've, and I, know, I know I've mentioned this quite a few times before, and one album that I think would benefit from that is this one, is putting some more video. Like, not, I don't mean concerts necessarily, because we know how poorly the concerts did. Maybe it might not be good to show them at their, you know, <clears throat> depressed state playing but why not do some video of rehearsals or rehearsal footage mm-hmm. of them performing preparing for it you know or footage of them working with ron nevison in the studio and they were you know optimistic about the album and excited about it you know or and, and then you know put in these bonus tracks of these unwritten you know or unreleased songs and stuff like that if you're going to put a box set together it has to be more than just you know, trinkets and, you know, press kits and stuff like that, because there's a certain amount of people that are going to be interested in that, but other people are not going to be as much interested in that as they might be as, you know, seeing what's happened behind the scenes, you know, maybe seeing video. People like video, especially if you put it onto Blu-ray and stuff like that. You know, there's a Blu-ray video of them, you know, preparing at, you know, SIR, the, the full production, the early full production mm-hmm. stage. I'd be interested in seeing that, you know, or hearing them play some of these songs that they maybe didn't end up on the tour. Maybe they maybe they rehearsed songs that never even made the set list. You know, these are the kind of things that I think people want to see and are probably kiss are missing out on as far as that in, goes. In, in addition to that, you you could also put a lot of focus on Eric Carr because I know mm-hmm. he had a lot of <laughs> demos for for this one. So. Uh, put that in there as well, and it, it might sell a few more copies. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that there is a way to make all these kind of box sets sell if you just kind of think a little bit outside the box a bit more. I mean, yeah, it might take a little bit of work to 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 find some of these things, and yeah, maybe it might take an extra dollar or two to convince some people to release the rights to some of these things, but you know what? It's... It, it could be worse. Like we just talked about the pro shot footage from from Sweden that showed them playing Love Gun. You know, find the footage for that and put it on the on on Blu-ray. You know, I mean, people are interested in that kind of stuff. Look at look, we've went down this road a hundred times with the leaked, you know, footage that's out. You know, from you know Mr. Loomis there, but look at the interest that that just peaked on that kind of stuff. Imagine oh, if they yeah. found properly recorded pro shot stuff and they put it together and released it i think you'd have a winner there you know so any uh any final thoughts on this record before we head on off well for me uh you know it's a decent album there's some some flaws in it obviously and it's dated but uh even though even with that uh I listened to it the other day, and you know, I enjoyed listening to it. I didn't skip anything. I, I listened to the whole thing, and uh, uh, there's some songs again that stood out for me that uh, that I thought were better than 
I originally thought they were and stuff like that. And it's it's a it's a decent album. They could have done better on it, yes, um, but it, it you know it is what it is. Um, there's some there are some classics on there, the Crazy Nights and Turn On. I mean, just great songs, right? Yeah. Well written songs. You can't go wrong with it. Um, it's just you know, we're, of course, we're doing the nitpicking uh, of little things, but mm -hmm. uh, in in general, it's a it's an okay, it's an okay album, but not not one of their best. Daniel. Uh, I just have to underline that uh, it's a poor sounding record. Uh, we need that remix and remaster. Um, and by doing that, we might finally hear what it, the way it's supposed to be heard, you know, the way the way it's supposed to sound. And keep in mind, Bruce Kulick could do a lot with these songs live. So uh, brand new remix of the album might do something uh, but as it is of as it is now i think it sounds it's it's a poor sounding album and mm. uh, that's what stands out for me interesting uh yeah i think that uh i would probably agree with that it's in dire need of a remix and uh i think that's the main thing that's preventing people from giving it a better opinion of it is just the sound of it because again that's a, that's what you normally hear when you talk about this record they were trying to follow trends too much it sounds too much like this or too much like that you know if kiss just did what they felt in their gut was the right thing to do i think it might have been a much better uh performance or a much better final product in the end so before we go i'm going to just ask you guys one really quick rapid fire thing mm -hmm. we've talked about box sets the deluxe box sets so for the sake of record keeping here daniel what do you think is the next deluxe box set that's coming out uh, the one i want is uh, a revenge box set but i'm not sure that's the one uh i guess they go for some 70s record but i i would like to see what they could do with a re revenge box set uh, mm. and i know bruce kulik has a lot of stuff from the recordings of, of revenge so that would be real cool to hear so i'm i'm, I'm really hoping for for a revenge box set ken yeah there's a lot um i i don't know i mean i i i would like their their first album to be uh have a box set of the very first album um though i do agree that revenge it could be picked next because it's one of you know the core paul stanley favorites you know he likes destroyer <laughs> he likes creatures he likes revenge um so it, it may happen it revenge may happen it would be you know, and it would still be good um but uh i i would pick another definitely another 70s album if not the first album something else in the 70s hmm. interesting uh i mean I, I love a lot of these records just like you guys do but if I, I i don't know something in the back of my head is nagging at me and talking to me saying that the next box set that might come out and i could be completely wrong with this mm -hmm. there's going to be dynasty I think that th there's going to be a look at that because you know there is a lot of stuff floating around about that. There was a, that was a big that was their big return kiss returns blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there was a lot of uh, footage of them you know preparing the stage and this and that and the design of Paul Stanley's lighting system that he came up with, and you know th there could be a lot of 
things that, like I could see the minutia of that. You know, inside the box we have Paul Stanley's original drawn designs for the lighting grid and this and you know like all kinds of this little minutia I could see. And you know, it's not a bad record. It did sell. I mean, if they did a remaster of it again, that could be fine. You know, if they they got somebody to do a five one of it, that could be pretty cool too. So I don't know. I I'm kind of I don't know why that is, but whenever I think about this. I keep thinking that they're going to go around somewhere around that era. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I'm guessing. You might be right. <laughs> so that's uh, pretty much it for today. Uh, I think we went over a lot of stuff today, a lot of material yep. for Daniel, for uh, Daniel, for Julian to <laughs> look at and, and listen to and, and enjoy. Uh, and I'm sure that everybody out there will enjoy the episode as well. Uh, again, of course, please leave your comments. We enjoy reading them. We enjoy talking about them. You know, were we correct about our views on Crazy Nights? What do you think differently on the album? Also, talk about some of the earlier things. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on the picture disc of Ace Freely's Origin 2? Or, you know, that Love Gun picture disc is shipping now. What are your thoughts on the dropped price of the Creatures box set? Uh, we want to hear you from you guys about all this and much, much more. So leave your comments in the section below. And until next time, on behalf of Daniel, Ken, and myself, we thank you for watching, and we'll see you all again very soon. Bye for now. I'll get that book, Julian. <laughs> thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.